Yo, 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 what is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking it out. The show comes out every Friday. Fresh episodes coming at you. You can also uh, check out DanCablePresents.com for the, uh, the official hub for all things Dan Cable Presents, including upcoming shows. Or uh, you can check out the YouTube channel link from there. You can buy a baseball tee with my big dumb face on it there. You can also hit the donate button if you're feeling so, uh, so you know, inclined to do so. If you want to get real wild, you know, donate a few dollars. Drop a line, say what's up. Um, as always, if you'd like to support the show in a free way, you can hit the rate and review and subscribe on iTunes. Give the uh, podcast five stars there, and drop a, a line, say a few nice words, and then that really helps with uh, getting more people to know about this podcast. It kind of shoots it up into the charts and makes it more nationally visible, which will help not only the podcast but also uh, the wonderful artists that come through for the show. So, if you wouldn't mind dropping that that review. Like I said, I say it every week. Everybody knows the deal if you listen regularly, you know? So please hit it with a review. I am asking you right now, do it. Do it for the show. Do it for the whoever, you know? Do it for somebody. Do it for me. Okay? I'll say it. I'll say it straight up. Do it for me. Anyway, we got a lovely episode for you. This is episode uh, 82 coming at you, and this episode was is a conversation that I had with the uh, lovely Gabrielle Marlena, who was on tour from Brooklyn, New York, and this was a connection I made through my buddy Antoine. We mentioned that in the episode, but uh, Antoine's, Antoine's the homie, and um, he had let me know that this, this woman was uh, looking for a show. And so I was able to uh, help her out with that. And I was able to put together a really cool bill over at a new venue in Portland called The Local Celebrity, which is uh, right there on Russell next to the White Eagle. Very cool new venue. And uh, the spot is um, owned by the same dudes that put on the Killingsworth house. Um, web series if you if you're familiar with that here in the Portland area those are some cool sessions that go down so check that out but the local celebrity is very cool um, I would say it's one of the cooler um, singer songwriter venues especially in the city it's a very intimate space and we had an excellent show over there last Friday with uh, with Gabrielle she played uh, a really killer set and Isabeau, who was on episode 65 of the podcast, opened the show up with uh, an amazing set per, per usual from Isabeau. Always crushing it. Stoked I'm going to be playing a little uh, Alberta Street Pub show with her in uh, December. So I will, uh, I will announce the date when we get a little bit closer to that. But Isabeau opened the show. And then uh, my, my boys in Hammerhead from episode 75 or episode 4. You can take it back all the way to episode four if you want to uh, see see what was going on there. That was a while ago, but uh, Hammerhead headlined that show, and uh, always great to see those fellows play some tunes. They played some new jams, which was cool, and uh, it was a, it was a super good night over there at the local celebrity. We had a we had a really nice time, and uh, it was very cool because we were all there. The the artist Hammerhead Gabrielle and Isabel and myself were all there um, pretty early and we were able to kind of hang out and have a little uh, little family dinner 
before after they were all sound checked and ready to go and we kind of all just hung out for a little while and um yeah it was just it was just really nice to have everybody everybody connect prior to the show and 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 hanging out and sharing some stories and whatnot and um it was also very cool uh gabrielle and isabel ended up linking up the next day to record a new tune for isabel's youtube channel they did a cool cover so you can you can check that out a little collab between those two it's just nice to see people connecting um yeah this this person all the way from the the other side of the united states just just here on on her tour and uh now she's got uh, a few friends here in portland which is very cool and Gabrielle and I linked up the uh, the following day as well after uh, her and Isabeau did their collab and we recorded this conversation and talked about her record, which is called Good Music For You. Very cool record, very cool tunes, and uh, she's just a great songwriter and has, I just think, this very unique vocal approach that, that I did quite a bit and... Yeah, just just rad songwriting, and it's just been fun to be able to connect with people from you know all over, all over the the states, as well as uh, some folks from from overseas and in Canada and whatnot. It's, um, it's kind of wild how how this all shakes out sometimes, but um, yeah, it just feels good to be making those connections and and having the artists connect with one another when when the people on the bill are all very stoked to play with one another and have a lot of respect for each other, it's a, it makes for this, this very cool vibe when, when everybody wants to watch each other play and everybody's just kind of blown away by one another. So thanks to everybody that showed up to that uh, local celebrity show. I'm sure we'll have a Dan Cable presents, (coughs) excuse me, getting over something here. I'm sure we'll have another Dan Cable presents bill Coming up soon, I would say it's probably going to be the second annual holidays party, which the lineup for that and the location will be announced very soon. We've got a Tribe Mars documentary on the way. It's in its final editing sessions, and it's looking looking real smooth. Shout out to Forrest Brennan, who does all the video work, or most of the video work, at least from like episode 30 on this podcast and, and therefore after. So shout out to Forrest, always doing smooth work, and um, super stoked for people to see what that ends up looking like. Um, as far as some other calendar dates to keep in mind, don't forget about the MoGo Music Forum going down November 5th at the Doug Fur. It's at 1 p.m. This is a free music forum discussion panel for um musicians and and industry folk and anybody that's that's interested in maybe just learning some things the topic for this particular week is diy musician it's going to be pretty excellent um it's put on by jason fellman of jfl presents and chris young of vortex magazine so check that out it's at 1 p.m doug fur november 5th and then november 11th don't forget noah gunderson's in town people and if you haven't listened to my chat with Noah yet, check out episode 80. What a pleasure it was to chat with Noah. Um, I love his new record so much. I'm, I'm way into it. So check it. And then November 16th, I am playing a solo acoustic show with my friends in Camp Crush over at the Spare Room. It's a free show. So um, yeah, come check that out. I'm trying to get back in the swing of things. So uh, November 16th, me solo. Opening up for my friends in Camp Crush. And then November 29th, Tri Mars is playing at the Doug Fur. That's going to be super dope. It's their first time at the Doug Fur, so that would be a really excellent time to catch them if you have not yet. Or if you have, you you know that that's just going to be a super rad show. But we got a great episode in store for you. We're going to get into it right now. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, my gosh. Don't worry, folks. I'm going to make it through. Um, Yeah, so this is episode 82. Uh, Like I said, don't forget to leave those iTunes reviews. Super important to uh, helping the sustainability of this show. I know that you hear me say it, and uh, 
yeah, just please take the the three minutes or so that it takes to to write the review. It would be super appreciated. And uh, yeah, don't forget to grab a baseball tee. They're only ten bucks right now, so get them while they're hot. Um, we're gonna get into this episode with Gabrielle Marlena, all the way from Brooklyn, New York. This is episode eighty-two. We are kicking it off with a song from her record, Good Music For You, and we're playing the title track, which is the intro track to the album, to get it going. So here it is, Good Music For You. You ask me if I've written any songs for you, but babe, I told you a long time ago. Can only make good music when my heart is spun too So I can never make good music for you But now you say that you love me and it hurts really bad Because I've got a plane to get home And we know that we have all going to fall apart About a day after I leave you alone Doing pretty well. Just hanging out here on a uh, a very rainy day here in Portland. You're getting the the real Portland, the Oregon true experience. True Portland experience. This is how I felt in Detroit too. Yeah, it was just very rainy, and I think it rains every day of the year there. Um, so. Yeah, you're you're kind of on this uh, this lovely road trip of the yeah. of the states. Yeah. Yeah, I have had a very adventurous trip so far. Um, I started off in New York and spent a couple days in Connecticut, which is actually where I'm from, in Bristol, Connecticut, um, with my parents. And then I drove west, and somehow I made it to the West Coast, but not without obstacles. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
So did you grow up in, in Connecticut then? Um, I did. I grew up in Bristol, Connecticut for 18 years to be exact. And then I actually went to live in Montreal for four years for school. And that's where you met my, my buddy Antoine then. That's where I met Antoine. Which Do you think Antoine will listen to this? Probably. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like Antoine usually listens to the show. Check yeah. out the sous chef episode if you have yeah. not. Antoine Martel has definitely been a guest on this show. Yeah. And he is the reason that we have come together here in mm-hmm. Portland, actually. Because mm-hmm. he let me know that you were you were cruising through and looking yeah, for a show. Yeah, it was awesome of him to connect us. Most of the cities that I've booked have been just kind of like cold emailing people. And this was a really fun connection experience. Yeah. And it was a great show last night. It was the best show. Right on. That's there. awesome. I'm mm-hmm. super pumped to hear that you, you played at the local celebrity with some friends of mine, Isabeau and, and Hammerhead. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, it was cool to, to be able to find a spot for you to, to play yeah. here. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, how early on did you start playing music or um, taken to it? Well, my first performance ever was probably, I would always, at two years old, no, how old was I? Um, Sorry, I'm looking at my sister because she's sitting right next to me right now. Yeah, we got a special guest <laughs> We're sitting in. in. <laughs> um, I was probably like five years old and I would stand naked in front of my whole family singing Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On from the Titanic. <laughs> so that was my first singing experience. Um, and then, yeah, and then it wasn't until I was 12 that I learned how to play guitar because I wanted to be Avril Lavigne. And I started performing at school talent shows. And I won the middle school talent show two years in a row. Oh. And on the third year, I got third place, eighth grade. I was pissed. And you could tell <laughs> I Are wasn't you- the best third place. That's amazing. <laughs> are you are you a pretty like competitive person then? No, it's I I probably was when I was 14 yeah um but i'm i would no longer be upset about third place in the middle school talent show um yeah but you you uh you took to the the music then pretty early did you you just like once you found that the guitar and yeah i started playing guitar and singing just a lot of um covers of pop like indie pop music that i loved and avril lavigne and fifi dobson (laughs) And then I started. Do you know Fifi Dobson? I don't. I don't. She was amazing. Okay, that's but I know about those Avril like deep cuts. You know, like yeah, that that early Avril. Yeah, uh, I still listen to that first record all the time. No, like jams. seriously, all the time. Every song is so good. <laughs> um, I could tell, like, sing you every lyric. But yeah, and then I started kind of writing music about experience that that didn't exist yet because I was fourteen. Um, I would just make things up. And then once I kind of, I think my songwriting really got to its maturity when I went to college and started to do real meaningful things and have emotions (laughs) that were real. (laughs) So always just kind of using it as like a personal diary. and and Yeah, for sure. It's always been a, a huge part of, healing and getting through tough shit for me and yeah so um as far as your vocal delivery which i find to be pretty unique and Uh and very cool um Uh do you feel like there's any like singers that kind of inform that for you Well, so people were asking me this for a long time and i was always answering like no it's just how i sing but the more that I thought about it and, like, the more I would listen to artists, again, that I used to listen to in my younger years, I realized that Dido probably had, like, a huge subconscious influence on the way that I sing because she does that, like, vocal flip thing that's, like, I will go down with this ship, you know? She does that, like, yeah, flip. Yeah, for sure. Flip. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, like, the one thing that most people point out to me when I'm singing is that little flip that I do. And it's like completely subconscious. Like I never like plan on it. It just kind of happens in that like vocal range. Um, but yeah, I think Dido was probably someone that influenced me. And um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, were you, were you pretty comfortable like from, from the get go of, of being up there? Performing? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I would, was doing it naked when I was five. 
<laughs> so I was really comfortable. I probably want to be that comfortable now doing a naked. Um, but yeah, I always got in front of people and sang every chance that I got. Um, and then I went to summer camp in Massachusetts. That was like this hippie, socialist, Yiddish, um, Jewish summer camp for like Manhattan kids to go and like learn about history and the important things in life. <laughs> um, and they had this thing called share every night where you would share and you could sing or there's a lot of singing that went on and our dance performances and a bunch of different things. And that's where I really started performing. Yeah, that's where I really started performing. And I don't think I was writing music then at that time, but yeah, I've always been pretty comfortable with it. Uh, when you went to school up in Montreal, mm -hmm. were you were you playing out like shows there in the in the city at all? Yeah, so I mean, not as much as I actually wish that I had been doing. I when I was in what we called residence, like my dorm in freshman year, I would like do the talent shows that people were putting on, and it was just very like um, student based stuff. And I would perform at a couple of like charity concerts that were put on by student organizations and then there were the occasional like shows in the city that were like like I had a friend who would organize some like indie folk festival and I would play a couple of shows in cafes and stuff but it was never my main priority I was studying economics actually um and international development studies so yeah writing was like kind of a side project and um but while I was at McGill I think it must have been the beginning of my junior year at McGill, I met Antoine, and Antoine actually helped me make my first EP that I put out. Um, and that was like, yeah, that was a collection of songs that I had written the first couple of years of college. But then in my, the second half of my junior year, I went abroad to Australia and had this little relationship thing that kind of turned into this album. So, right on. and then I didn't make this album until I moved to New York after I graduated from McGill. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, did Was there a certain point after putting out that first EP where you kind of thought maybe this was something you wanted to pursue a little more seriously? Or Yeah. Well, it was always, I don't know. I don't know why this was the way that I was thinking about it. Well, I do know why. I mean, I was just like, okay, I'm good at economics. I'm going to get a degree. Um, like, that's my main focus. And it took so much of my time and energy. And then I was like, once I have that out of the way, because I mean, I grew up in a family and like social group where like that was the next step after high school. You went and got to, uh, to liberal arts college and you got a degree. So I was like, all right, yeah, <laughs> got to do this. Sure. And then I can figure out what I actually want to do. And it was so now that I think about it, I didn't like think about this so much when I was actually doing it. But now that I reflect on it, there was such a disconnect between what I was studying and what I was planning on doing after. Cause I always knew that I was going to like move to New York and pursue music, but like, why did I study economics for four years? Yeah, for sure. I think it's hard to just like break free of like maybe that security of feeling yeah. like, Oh, this is, this yeah. is what I'm supposed to do now. Mm -hmm. Like I'm supposed to get this job. And yeah. like, <laughs> there was never a job involved. <laughs> it was just like, okay, study for four years and like fuck around in Montreal. And then, um, yeah, then, but after, like I moved to New York like the day after, or maybe it wasn't even the day of my last exam at McGill. And I was like, all right, I'm going to get a nannying job and just like find. And, and then when I started to, when I moved to New York, I started to go to open mics like every single night. Like I was doing an internship when I first got there too. And like I would somehow like do that during the day and then go to an open mic like probably five days a week. And then through that, I eventually was connected with my producer, Katie Buchanan, who, um, w yeah, we made this record together and it was really great. Cool. When you got to, when you got to New York and started playing those open mics, um, was the level of talent, uh, intimidating at all? Or did you feel like, oh, like I, was I can, the opposite. okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I was, um, I've yeah. never been to New York and I've never yeah. like experienced music there. So I'm just like very blind to, yeah. to what that scene is like. So I'm, I well, there are like a couple of different open mic scenes in New York. There's like, there's this one open mic at this place called the bitter end where you go on a Saturday and you get in line at noon 
And then like like sign up starts then, but I don't think the open mic starts till like much later. So it's a lot of like waiting in lines and it's a very popular spot. But like that I mean that was the first one I went to, but that wasn't really like my vibe and where I met the people I wanted to meet. Um and then there are like I mean I live in Brooklyn and there are open mics everywhere in Brooklyn. And now I actually host an open mic in um Williamsburg at Two Boots Pizza. It's like a pizza shop and a bar and there's a kind of a little stage area in the back. But yeah, that's one of the ones that I had been going to to sing at um, when I first moved to New York. And it was just honestly to like meet people who are involved in music in like any way possible because when I first moved to New York, I didn't really know any musicians there. So it was just to meet people. Um, and then eventually I fell out of the open mic scene, which was a blessing because <laughs> it's exhausting. Because um, you like go to sing somewhere and you wait there for like two hours and you sing a song and then you have to stick around because you don't want to be rude and then you have to like I don't know it's this whole big project, um, but yeah I mean it worked because it eventually led me to my producer and like meeting the right people I needed to meet to get shows together and whatever, um, and I mean there's a <laughs> there's a lot of talented people and there are also a lot of not so talented people but it's just being around people that are interested and passionate about music is what's important so definitely yeah um so that w- that was kind of the your ultimate goal to to get to new york though like and yeah and play well music the there. thing i'm not f- like from very far away from new york like, i'm from i mean it felt very far away from new york because it's like suburbia um but I had grown up going into New York all the time because I went to summer camp with a lot of kids who lived in like Manhattan and Brooklyn and I would go in to visit them and like my grandmother lives on Long Island and she was actually born in Brooklyn. So like my family has kind of like been sort of based around that area. Um, so you've always been a little familiar yeah, with what I've was going on there. Yeah, I've always been familiar with it. So it wasn't like intimidating when I first moved there. And But it... it it was always just like the obvious destination. Like Montreal was like this fun foreign thing. And then when I spent time in Melbourne, it was like a big vacation, like a six month <laughs> vacation or like the j- classes I was taking were jokes. Um, but yeah, like I always thought, I always knew that I would spend at least a couple of years in New York. For sure. And do you f- that's what I'm doing. Do you find it like a, a, to be a pretty nurturing environment for like an artist like yourself there? I do. People pretty receptive to what you're doing. Yeah. It can be really exhausting. I mean, there are so many people there trying to do the same thing. So, like, you were just explaining before this about how Portland, there are 10 shows going on every night. I mean, in New York, there are, like, 500. (laughs) But, I mean, not, like, the ones that I necessarily know about. But it's, like, everyone is somewhere every night. There's such FOMO in New York. It's crazy. Like, you can't stay in. You would freak out. You have to, like, at least go do one thing, like, every night. Um, But, yeah, there are a lot of talented people, and it can be a bit intimidating. But, like, overall, especially in Brooklyn, I think, it's a very nurturing environment. And I found a lot of people um, that – well, also, like you were explaining, it's, like, artists supporting artists. And it's hard to get people who aren't artists themselves out to shows all the time because that's, like – I don't know. It's a very interesting thing because, you like – when you go see, like, a touring band come to town, you uh-huh. you obviously see tons of people to come see music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it just seems to be a little bit of a struggle to uh, yeah. to get those folks to, like, understand that there is a local, like, mm-hmm. thriving music scene. And mm-hmm. I don't know if, it, if it's just maybe they think nothing really great is going on mm-hmm. or what. But there's definitely, like, yeah. music fans are there. But yeah. it usually just ends up being a bunch of musicians yeah. in the room, which is great as well. Yeah. I mean, it's also the thing where, like, people want only want to go to shows with, like, really popular bands. And it's like, come on, you're going to have more fun if you come to my little show in this bar. And there are, like, ten people and I'm really good versus if you spend $60 on a ticket and are in this, like, huge venue right. seeing a touring band. I don't know. No, I, that stuff always <laughs> kind of, like, blows my mind. And, like, I'm often thinking about that when... I'm watching music in a really small room. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. man, I can't believe that people paid $5 to see, like, this talent tonight, yeah. you know? Because, yeah. I don't know, there's there's easily every yeah. night, like, something going on that I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, one day it's going to be really expensive to see, yeah. like, this type of Or, talent. like, even if it isn't really expensive to see one day, like, it's so good. Like, why yeah. aren't more people here? Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> it's hard to succeed as a musician. It's hard to sell $60 tickets, so. Yeah. Definitely. Um, 
but yeah. Right on. Let's uh, let's get into a song off uh, off your record. For sure. We're gonna get let's into a, a, a jam called "Smoking Gun" that I I appreciate cool. quite a bit. So uh, this is a uh, smoking gun off of the album called "Good Music for You." Do you remember when we said goodbye? You said you wished you could keep a piece of hair right off of my head so you could remember how it felt. So I cut it off and mailed it to your house And I'm so curious if you have thrown it out It's almost been a year now I can't remember how you smell Someone like you. All right. So last night, 
before you played that song Smoking Gun that we just played, uh-huh. you talked uh, about um, mortalizing like moments and uh, people yeah. That's through, my favorite word. <laughs> through, through songs. And yeah. it was something that, that resonated with me quite a bit. And yeah. so I was just wondering if you could like maybe expand upon what you were talking about last yeah. night. Yeah. No, it's really bizarre um, songwriting because you have these like moments of total emotion that, I mean, songwriting is like a cathartic experience to get emotions out of the way. But then what you're doing in turn is like creating this piece of art that's like a forever reminder of when you were experiencing these emotions. And like personally, like this specific experience of this album is about, I think, stayed with me for way too long than like a normal person would have held on to it just because I had these songs that I loved so much. And I think, I mean, I was probably like in love with the experience of it all and like the story of it all more than I was really in love with the specific like person or situation or whatever and I think that happens a lot and I was kind of like romanticizing the whole like long distance thing and whatever and then I turned it into this album and I really loved the album and that can get confusing with like oh wait do I love this person or just what I'm writing that was inspired by this person and yeah so I was talking about like yeah, in, like immortalizing experience, and then sometimes I'm I'm pretty good at removing like when you write a song, it just becomes a song, and then you perform it, and it can be just a performance. But like sometimes, if I'm in an emotional space or whatever, as I've kind of been on this road trip, and you're performing these songs, it like kind of I was starting to think I was starting to like feel these things again and like get a little bit confused and I was like, wait, 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 I wrote these two years ago, chill. Like I don't have these feelings anymore. They're not real. Um, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting thing when you start documenting those, those parts of your life. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's, it becomes like this line of, you know, how to like dial into that emotion again mm-hmm. later after you're detached from it so that you can, yeah. you know, like do it with conviction in front of people, right. you know, and then right. also like, but not really right. di- dialing yeah. into those and particular like, emotions as we. Yeah, I was kind of talking about this with my mom the other day, and she was like, "Well, you're gonna have to just like tell people that it's like a story well, and like well. what could have <laughs> happened." And I was like, "No, no, no! You have to tell people the truth and like perform it with truth. Otherwise, people like won't respect the music and won't be interested in the music. And you can't just yeah, you have to like tell them the backstory and then." When you're always explaining the context, I don't know. It's like, oh, let me get over this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I think people like definitely connect to the yeah. vulnerability mm-hmm. of someone and like being willing to mm-hmm. like unveil that. Yeah. And being like, hey, this is like yeah. what this song is about. And, like, yeah. Sometimes it's difficult to like deal uh-huh. with this, you know. Yeah, and like every time I perform it, I have to like remind myself that everyone in the audience is hearing it for the first time. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I try to get emotional on stage. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good. And then I try to really quickly get unemotional when I get off stage, which is like this crazy bouncing around. Do you feel like performing on stage like helps you with that, that balance at all? Um, like, like, do you feel like it's, it's very like after you get off stage, you feel like a little relieved of some of those feelings or? Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't really get that emotional during shows, but like I try to remind, yeah, no, it's just hard. Cause you have to try to remind yourself of the emotions you were feeling exactly like you said, like you can perform it with conviction, but then, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it gets confusing. <laughs> For sure. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like already confused. I don't know what we're talking about anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I get the sense from like your lyrical content that, that you're really not like afraid to hold back about like experiences mm-hmm. you've that you've had yeah. and like mm-hmm. and that you know like anybody that has an interaction with you may may become subject to becoming <laughs> like lyrical content you know you're in trouble <laughs> um no I, I honestly like rarely i don't know you don't have to worry about being in my songs unless you've been a significant part of my life <laughs> I don't know. I'm like trying not to like scare away a potential suitor. (laughs) Like like Taylor Swift. Um, Uh, Yeah. Talk to me about like the overall process of of making your record though. Because it's a very cool collection of tunes. Um, Yeah. Well, I like it. It's funny because 
Um, good music for you, which I think you played first. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, is the title track of the record. And, and I you love ex- that song, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was explaining before that it's actually my least favorite song to perform on the record because I don't know, maybe I'm sick of it. Maybe it's the happiest and I don't like it, but it just seemed the most, I mean, it was so basically this relationship that this record is based off of like the first two songs on the record were written while I was actually in the relationship or maybe the first three. And then like the rest of it was kind of the aftermath until like almost a year after it ended. Um, which is a little bit crazy. Um, no, (laughs) but yeah, the first song is called good music for you. And, um, uh, wait, what, what was the question was the answer? <laughs> oh, yeah, telling you about the making of the record. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> You're all right. You've been uh, on a long, a long road trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's 11 songs, chronological, in the order that I wrote them. That is what that word means. Um, and, yeah, good music for you is, I mean, the first line of the song says, like, you ask me if I've written any songs for you, but babe, I told you a long time ago, I can only make good music when my heart is split in two. So I could never make good music for you. And then like little did I know I would have this whole record because my heart was split in two. It's like so sad. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you, and, did huh. you intentionally, uh, like, was that the intention from the get-go to like re- put it, put everything in chronological order or did no, it just so kind of work out best? I, that way? um, well, yeah, it was my intention eventually, but when I first, um, started talking to my producer, Katie, um, I had this like file, a folder on my computer, of um, all the songs that I thought like were my best songs. And, they were some of them I had written in college and some of them were from this experience. And I was like trying to envision it as a project. But I think that was right around the time that I was like still writing songs about like the aftermath of this one relationship. And I was like, hold up. I don't like this needs to be a project front to front to end. Um, Cause there were so many songs. And I was like, I can't handle all of this. I need closure. <laughs> and like, sometimes it's not closure from like a certain person, but closure by yourself to kind of like wrap it all up and be like, this was a thing that I can create and then remove myself from after it's done. But then you tour around the country performing it and you realize that you're not so removed from it. But anyway, no, it was, it was very, yeah, it was good to like make it one project and kind of like box it up, like send it off. Um, yeah. Um, what, what role did, uh, Katie kind of play as a, a producer for you? Um, she was awesome. <laughs> she, um, well, first of all, she basically played every instrument on the record, um, all out of her apartment. Yeah, it's, so, it has a very cool feel to it. Yeah. Like, you can kind of tell that it might be like that kind of style of recording. Like, yeah. Like real low key, but like it captures a, like a really cool vibe. Like yeah, for for what you're doing. I yeah, like. well, we had fun with. I mean, it's such a different experience when you like go into a studio with a full band and like an arrangement versus when you go into the studio with just a song that you wrote and have to like come up with all these different parts as you go. Um, and that was so fun, and that was like my first real experience doing that, and just I don't know, Katie had so many good ideas, and it was just like very easy to talk to her about it. I mean, it was also very confusing for me because I was trying to like explain what I wanted to hear, but I didn't know the words to like explain what kind of drum sound I wanted to hear cuz I like I'm not a musician in that sense. Like I don't know. I can barely describe to you what I want to hear in guitar like even though I play guitar. I was just like I want slide guitar and I want um, other things. We oh my god, we had this I was gifted um, by a family friend this amazing 12-string vintage um, guitar from the 60s. And I had, like, just gotten it all fixed up. So we used that a lot on the record. Um, And it sounds so good. Like, that was what really gave Rescue, like, the very full acoustic sound. Um, And... Yeah, like, it was fun. I mean, we were just, like, sitting... I was sitting on her... I, I mean, she did all the work. I just had to, like, sit back and, like, on the couch drinking tea. That's um, a good producer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, no. It was a very um, collaborative experience. And, 
yeah, it, we did some cool things. Like for instance, in the song percolate, which is like, which is about, um, I mean, it's not really about this, but it starts with me talking about this coffee shop. Um, and it was actually written for a competition where the songwriters had to write a song relating to the theme of coffee. And obviously for me, it turned into a love song, <laughs> which actually it did for a lot of the artists. But anyway, that ended up on my record. Um, and she like used uh, the coffee mug that she was drinking tea out of for like that bit of percussion in the chorus, I guess. Um, so it like kind of has like a coffee shop vibe. And we did some fun things. Very cool. And now when I perform live with a band in New York, my drummer uses one of the coffee cups that I sell as merch <laughs> in his drum set. And he like taps it. Oh, about those coffee so. mugs. Very cool merch. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You can buy merch on my website at www.gabriellemarlino.com. <laughs> yeah. Get the plugs in. Get the plugs in. <laughs> now I don't have to ask, ask for you to do it later. You already, <laughs> you, people already know. You can ask me again later too. I'll, <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes too so people can just click away and, and find you on all okay, the social cool. medias and whatnot cool um as far as writing lyrics do you do you usually do that separately from like putting music together or are you, are you no it's very much like an all at the same time kind of thing um yeah i sit with my guitar i have to try so hard not to just play like cga minor f <laughs> when i sit down with my guitar and write a song um, and I actually have written a couple of good songs lately with those chords, but no, I, I mean, I don't, I play guitar, but I don't really consider myself like a guitarist. I can, I mean, I consider myself a singer songwriter. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very much, um, it happens at the same time. Um, the melody, the chords, the lyrics, it kind of, I mean, well, actually usually the way it happens is all like be driving or something and I have this idea or like falling asleep and I'll just like make a note on my iPhone and then I'll go back to it later with my guitar but it'll only ever be like a couple of sentences yeah for sure um I have lots of those yeah <laughs> I don't I haven't used a pen in years probably since like sophomore year of college um I write all my songs on my iPhone <laughs> In the notes application. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even have them compiled anywhere, like, together. It's I'm really badly organized when it comes to songwriting. Other things I can be organized about, but my, my songs are, like, all over my desktop and weird places in my computer and in my head. And It's real organized, then. Yeah. <laughs> it's really organized. Um. Yeah, by the time this comes out, you will have wrapped up this uh, this adventure that you're on right now. But talk to me about the yeah. idea of doing like this 35 day road trip. Yeah, so it's exactly 35 days. <laughs> How many um, shows in that 35 days? 25. 25. Yeah, that's that's a good amount. So yeah, everyone was like, "There's no way you can plan this tour," because I only started like a month and a half before I left. I, I was like, oh, wait, I'm going to go on tour because <laughs> I'm kind of like between jobs right now. I mean, day jobs in New York and like I didn't have any real commitments. And I booked a show all the way in November and I was like, oh, it's such a long time from now. And I had an a show on October 8th as part of this music conference in uh, New York. And I was thinking, OK, what am I going to do between these dates? And... Obviously, I decided to drive across the country. So, yeah, I booked it all myself. I just started, like, reaching out to people and sending, like, 30 emails a day and getting, like, two responses. And then one of those yeah. responses would be no. <laughs> and then, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, booking tours like that is, is not, I don't know, it's, it's not easy. It's I mean, not it's, easy. It's a whole lot of waiting as well. Yeah. Which makes it difficult sometimes because you're like, okay, I got this piece in place, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. what are we going to do with the two days before that? Or yeah, whatever? for sure. How um, many uh, different states did you cruise through? Oh, I don't know how many states, but I th I mean, I guess. No, I, yeah, no, I don't know how many states, but it's about 30 cities. Okay. Because I'm in or only I, like three cities for two nights. I mean, I've sweet. had a fucking crazy past couple of weeks. So. I totaled my car. <laughs> yeah. That was was that after your Boise show? Um that was the morning after my Boise show, yeah. Um but these things happen, you know. I've had a couple of days to reflect on this experience. No one was hurt. It could have been a lot worse. 
Wrecked um, your mom's car. <laughs> yeah, okay. You didn't have to tell them it was my mom's car. <laughs> I mean, you told everybody last night at the yeah. show. I, feel, I figured it was fair game. No, my mom is my biggest fan and supporter, and these things happen. <laughs> these are just the cost of having your daughter be a musician. <laughs> Sometimes the car gets wrecked. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Love you, mom. Thanks for everything, including your car. Um, but yeah, no, I, now I'm in a rental car (laughs) and amazingly I had a car accident at 8.30 AM in Boise, Idaho, which is an eight hour drive to Seattle. And my show was, I went on stage at nine and I still made it to Seattle for my show. It took about two and a half hours. I mean, when I initially crashed, I was like, there's no way. I'm going to be in Seattle tonight. So I was like about to go on my phone and send an email canceling the show. And I was like, I'll just wait a day and then figure out the car and then get to Portland the next day. But then it was the tow truck driver. (laughs) He showed up and the first thing he did was give me a hug. First of all, which is amazing. (laughs) I mean, I was like crying on the side of the road. And you're alone. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a whole other story we could go to. But (laughs) no, I, um, yeah, the tow truck driver was like, you can probably get a rental car. Um, and I mean, insurance is great. Everyone is highly suggest, highly recommend insurance. Um, so I also because it's illegal to drive without insurance. So oh, get this that. is true. <laughs> this is true. maybe the maybe the rental car, like <laughs> having that as a perk, like yeah. is, is maybe like an, an yeah, additional like thing. An but additional have thing. insurance. Just a little yeah. PSA get insurance. Right there. <laughs> don't drink and drive. Don't uh, don't do anything illegal. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, so two and a half hours later, I was in this huge car. I've never driven a car this big um, on my way to Seattle. And I drove. I mean, the last thing I wanted to do was sit in Boise and, like, think about my canceled show in Seattle and, like, my car crash and whatever. So I just got in the car and I was like, I'm going to power through this. Um, I made a post on Facebook about (laughs) what had happened. And I mean, people just like my phone like blew up and people just started texting me and calling me and like sending love and support. And I was like, okay, I can do this. I can get to Seattle tonight. And I was so exhausted yesterday when I showed up in Portland because I played that show in Seattle. I went to bed around one, woke up at six that day because I was staying in a home with a very small baby. (laughs) And then I drove to Portland yesterday. Um, and I mean, that was a shorter drive. Yeah. Like three and a half hours. A I stopped hours, like eight times nice. within three and a half <laughs> hours because I was so tired. But now I'm rejuvenated. The city has woken me up. Well, you got a day off, which yeah. is nice. You didn't have to like, you're just kind of hanging out today. Yeah. It yeah, was, yeah. It was awesome to get to see you play last night because I've definitely been for since pretty much since you, I got in contact with you via Antoine. Uh, I've been kind of like geeking out on your record and listening to yeah. it a lot and uh, like, really dug the tune. So it was like, it was very easy. I don't know. Sometimes it's hard. Like when someone reaches out and they're just like, Hey, I'm trying to put together a show here. And it's just like, Oh man, like that's cool. I don't know if I can like really get behind your tune. So it's hard yeah, for yeah, me yeah. to like for push sure. this off to somebody else. For but sure. like, as soon as like I played like the first song on your SoundCloud, I was like, Oh, this is like very cool. Oh, like cool. this is very easy to like make happen. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. No, I totally know what you mean. When people kind of try to like get you for your connections and you're like, Oh, I, I do this all the time, but I don't really know. If, yeah, exactly. If I can get behind your tune. <laughs> yeah. But it was cool to get to see you play and, and kind of see it just like in its, stripped down form of just yeah. you and an acoustic and yeah oh my god it was such good sound on that stage last night i had a really fun time performing at the local celebrity you got it the local celebrity <laughs> is a new venue in town people new <laughs> new town ta- new venue in portland oregon so check that out it's uh so yeah definitely becoming one of my favorite like singer songwriter venues in the in the mm-hmm. city it's just like a very small room and 30 or 40 people like will make it feel packed out which is very yeah. cool and yeah so it was, it was great. Yeah, to it was fun. It's fun for me to play acoustic too. I mean, I play I play some shows in New York. Um, like every good stage I play is usually with a band. I mean, relatively good. The smaller venues in New York like aren't great sounds, but um, is with a band, and that's like a whole different experience. And it's really fun, but it can also be like kind of anxiety inducing and like a little bit of a different experience and when I can just kind of like relax on stage and be with my guitar it's really fun and to be in a venue with good sound it was really nice 
Very it's cool. like, oh, I'm a great singer. <laughs> like, finally hear myself for the first time. So after kind of having, you know, like that accident happen and and cruising around on the road for this last month, mm-hmm. do, you, do you feel like you have any, like, big takeaways thus far, like, from <laughs> the experience or, like, something that um, like, you're bringing back with you from, from this whole deal? Or? I'm trying to learn how to have time alone. Which is a real, really difficult thing for me. Like, I'm the kind of person that, like, needs to see people every day. I can't be alone that much and, like, be productive. And um, Well, I guess I can be productive, but I'm not, like, happy alone all the time. And, like, usually most of the time when I'm alone, I'm wishing I was with other people. Um, but, and like I said, this trip was supposed to, actually, I was supposed to have a, a friend with me along for this five-week trip. And that kind of fell through um, just because of unforeseen circumstances that I won't get into um no one's fault but it didn't happen and um yeah I didn't think I would be spending eight hours on the road alone yeah so <laughs> so was it was <laughs> it good for you or super hard <laughs> it's been a challenge I've been sending a lot of messages that I probably shouldn't be sending to people just for attention <laughs> but no I that's not what I've been doing the whole time I've been resisting that urge and trying to work on just spending time by myself and it's a growing experience yeah and i'm sure like i don't know just like you're talking about you could have easily just canceled that seattle show after getting in the accident but mm-hmm. i don't know i think that's probably good for your, your character to like push through and like yeah and, and make it up there and, and yeah. finish out like the tour yeah like, as planned and whatnot yeah well it was gonna be hard to get to seattle but it would have been worse to cancel the show and like i said just sit there like thinking like fuck right. <laughs> what just happened i can't believe i'm not at my show right now so i was like if there's any way if it's still possible i mean the, what saved me that day is that i gained an hour because i was driving west to seattle so that was cool. <laughs> Do you find that, um, like, your songwriting and and working on tunes and stuff is something you find a lot of comfort in? Then, like, being somebody that's not super comfortable being being alone. Um, like, is that is that like a yeah a, a cool experience for you to to kind of have that time? Yeah, when my friends um, get sick of me talking about my problems to them, that's when I bring <laughs> out like, my hey, guitar. They're just like, hey, maybe go get your guitar because <laughs> yeah, we're sick of hearing about maybe this. Maybe go to your room and sit there in your apartment for a really long time and stop talking to us. So right. <laughs> that's when I pick up my guitar. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I I can say a lot of things. Um, I can perform a lot of lyrics that I don't necessarily feel comfortable saying to people because it's like talking to myself. Um, but I saw, I mean, songwriting can be like a little bit attention seeking. It's like, Hey, look at me. These are all my feelings. Like feel bad for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it, you gotta try to stay away from that a little bit, but I mean, everyone needs acknowledgement of their problems sometimes. Um, yeah. so it's a way for me to kind of like, right for myself but i don't know and no but there's also a selfless aspect to it which is like sharing um emotions with other people who are going to relate to it and who are gonna um benefit from it yeah i mean people that go to see like singer songwriter music specifically are usually like they go there because they appreciate that vulnerability yeah exactly they want to like hear people's stories yeah yeah it's very i don't know i think it's a very cool thing yeah it's easy to start i mean like i for the past year um in new york it's kind of been like me booking shows and then like begging everyone in my life to come to them so that's like what you have to kind of do when you're starting off as a singer songwriter and it you start to feel really selfish after a long time and you're just like, why do these people give a fuck about my music? Why am I so needy? Like, why do all my friends need to come to every one of my shows? But then, I don't know, you have to kind of remind yourself that you're also, like, providing something that's very important to people. And even if they're not coming out, they will one day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well... I'm stoked that we got to, to hang out, and I'm stoked yeah. that you know you came came down to Portland, played some yeah. music on on your big road trip, and mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna play it out with a, a jam off your 
off yeah. the record. Well, thanks so much for having me, and thanks for hosting the show last night. Absolutely, it was which blessed. was awesome with Isabel. Yep, Isabel and yeah. Hammerhead and Hammerhead, two of my favorites in the city. They you can check awesome. out their their episodes of the podcast as well. Isabel was episode sixty five. And Hammerhead's actually been on twice, but mo- most recently on episode 75. And you can find in-studio performances from those those folks on my YouTube channel. And, uh, yeah, where, why don't you go ahead and shout out where people can keep up with you one more time before we... Uh, yeah, so the best way to follow the rest of... Or, no, I guess by the time this comes out, I'll be done with my tour. But the best way to follow the rest of my life is... <laughs> <laughs> Um, probably on Instagram. My uh, Instagram name is at Gabby Marlena, G-A-B-I-M-A-R-L-E-N-A. Or you can go to GabrielleMarlena.com or find me on Facebook. Or Don't find me on Twitter, please. I have an account, but I really don't <laughs> use it. I don't want to start. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. What's the last date of the tour? Um, well, I have a homecoming show with a full band on November 14th at Rockwood Music Hall. Oh, get up on that, New York. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is going to come out like probably a couple weeks before that. So. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, come to my New York show, Rockwood. So before we play it out with this song, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline of the podcast, which is, it's a program. So you have to give us a strong, it's a program. It's a program. It's a program. Oh. Yeah. It, it's a program. There you did. You did it. <laughs> Great job. Great job. That's, that's Gabrielle Marlena, everybody. You should check out Thanks her record. Thanks for listening, guys. It's called Good Music for You. We're going to play it out with a song called Second Guest, which I particularly dig. There's and a music video to that song of me getting an actual tattoo, so you should watch it. <laughs> nice. All right, this is it. This is Second Guess. Check it out. We'll catch you on the flip side, Portland. Missing you is physically exhausting for me. And the truth is I think you deserve this music. And it's always a question. Whether it's about who you are What you represented to me